Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, um, two weeks ago when I was with you, I opened up a passage that if you're new to Christianity, you might not know this is one of the kind of the key passages. There are a few things that, that I don't know, I don't know how many, but there are, are several scriptures or you know, sections of the Bible that really have a lot of oomph to them. And people learn them, and if you're around Christianity, you'll hear them over and over again. And so if you're new, you haven't heard them over again, so it's, it's, um, it's good to go back to some of the basics. And if you've been around a while and you're like, oh, he's doing, he's doing Ephesians 6, I've read that 17 times and I've studied it, I've taught it. Well, maybe the Holy Spirit will renew it again for you. He does that for us all the time. So we're going to read this passage. It's going to be on the screen here. It's also written in your notes. You have a handout that has like a sword, with, I don't know, it's a bejeweled sword, um, sticking in the ground, and it says, um, winning our spiritual battles together. You have that? That would be useful. There's more in there than for this morning. There is like Bible study material that you can take with you during the week and, and study some more, and you'll be blessed if you do. You'll be blessed if you do. So Ephesians chapter 6, of course it's chapter 6 because there's chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. And, and each chapter is maybe a whole three-quarters of a page. It's not much to read. And you really do well if you this week or this afternoon open up your Bible to Ephesians or pull out your phone and type in Ephesians on your YouVersion Bible app and, and just read the whole letter. Because it's a whole letter. And this is just a part of the letter. We, you get on that? That's, that's how you want to read the Bible. We don't have time to read the whole thing this morning. So we'll just read this. He says, finally. So in other words, he's been saying a lot of stuff. And now he's going to give you the final talk for this letter. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And I want to interrupt Paul already. Um, it's one thing for someone to say to you, just be strong. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, you can do it. And you're thinking, no, I can't. I'm weak. <laughs> well, you're in good shape because the word says, be strong. What? What? I can't hear you. Thank you. And what else? Well, is he powerful? Well, how powerful? Yeah, you know, at the beginning of this letter, if we read the whole thing, he says, I, want, I don't want you to be unaware of his power, folks. His power for you is like the same power he used when he raised Jesus from the dead after being in the tomb for three days, and he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God in majesty and power with authority over all the powers of the entire cosmos. Kind of big deal. That's the power that says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's pretty good power. We could stop there and go home. We'd be like, that's enough. Thank you, Pastor. That was good. You be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. And I told you last week that Paul wrote this from prison, guarded by a Roman soldier. And most scholars think he probably looked up at a Roman soldier and saw all his armor and went, 
Well, that's a really great metaphor for what God has to protect us from the stuff that we're going to face in life. So he looked over and saw this armor, and he's going to describe it to us. He's going to talk about spiritual truths like a parable. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And I asked last week, what do you notice that pops out to you? And, and someone who's brand new to church at all, I don't know if she's here today, but she was sitting over here and she said, the devil's schemes. And it sounded funny to her. She'd never heard of that. And I said, yeah, that's so good because that's what the Bible wants us to know. There is a devil and he's got schemes. You ever met anyone with schemes? How you like that? Schemes are not out in the open and obvious, are they? Schemes are schemy. They're sneaky. They're not fair. They don't fight fair. You, want to, you know, if you're in war, the enemy doesn't say, hey, I'm going to come and attack you on this time, on this day, with this weapon, so get ready. They don't do that. They surprise attack you. And Paul's saying that's what the devil's like. So there's something called armor, or it's a metaphor for some spiritual truth. Um, put on this armor. The devil's going to scheme against you. We're not fighting, he said. Just be aware. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but we're fighting against rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Whoa, Paul, have you lost your mind? What are you talking about? Angels? Demons? Why well, I have never seen those. They must not be real, because anything you can't see isn't, see isn't real, right? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm mistaken. <laughs> Do you know there are things that you can't see that are real? Are you, can you connect with that? Do you know, um, it wasn't too long ago, that no one knew there were little invisible guys called germs and viruses, because you can't see them. And they figured out that there's this invisible stuff that attacks people's bodies, and if we knew about it, we could just wash our hands a little more and be protected against these invisible attackers. And to us, that's obvious, because we've been to you know, sixth grade science and looked through a microscope and seen a cell. But a couple hundred years ago, they hadn't. It was invisible. Well, maybe that's a bad thing, but it kind of, a bad example, but it, it just kind of gets my mind aligned with the fact that there are invisible things that I can't see that are very real. And there are principalities, there are rulers, there are authorities, there is mighty powers in this dark world against evil spirits. That's what I'm fighting against. In the heavenly realms, there's a heavenly place, there's a, a spiritual dimension that is around this globe. In fact, the Bible says there's actually three heavens. There's right here, and there's above that, and then the third heaven. And I don't even know what all that means, but I know it's true. So we might want, might want to learn. Okay, so we'll read this next part, and then we'll talk about one of these pieces of armor. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, bad news, good news. Bad news, the day of evil will come to you. Good news is, you can be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, wearing armor to protect you from the day of evil. And if you do it this way, you'll be able to stand. You'll be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness or sometimes called the breastplate of righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, the gospel, so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as a helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And with all that in place, pray in the spirit at all times, 
on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So what I want to do today is talk for a little bit about truth. And of course, it's all these are great big subjects. And we could do a class on truth. You know, we could do a discovery class for weeks on truth, couldn't we? But it's a powerful piece of armor for you. And I don't know if you're following along in this piece of paper, but after I put all this down this morning, I thought, you know, if I, I would have done this in a different order, I think. Because I talked about three, three aspects of truth that are important. And I'm, I want to switch the order that's in here. Can you handle a change? What a good class. So jump down to the second one. It's on the second page if you're following along. It says, the protection of seeing things as they really are. And then maybe we'll see if we have time to get back to the first one, which is the protection of personal integrity, which is a really powerful aspect of truth. But um, the protection of seeing things as they are. Uh, Dallas Willard, in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, starts out with a modern-day parable that I want to borrow. He said, recently, a pilot was testing a jet fighter, and she turned the controls for what she thought was a steep ascent and flew straight into the ground. She was unaware that she was flying upside down. And Dallas went on to say, this is a, a parable of our human existence. Not so much that everyone's crashing into the ground all the time, although there's plenty of that around. But that many of us are flying at high speed and have no idea if we're upside down or right side up or if that even is a possibility that there is a right side up and an upside down. In fact, if you go to any university in our Western civilization and study philosophy, they will basically say that no one really knows. There is, just can't be known what's, what's morally right, what's morally wrong. What we can tell you is what other people have thought, and you can think about it. But you don't know if you're flying upside down or right side up, and good luck. But the belt of truth tells you that there is reality, and you will be blessed, and I will be blessed, if we see things as they really are. One way to define truth is just to say truth is a description of things as they really are. If I told you right now we are in Duluth, Minnesota, could that be true? Well, how do you know? Well, you could look at your GPS. You could, I'm sure I woke up in Oceanside. I didn't go anywhere. It's true. And if you were in Duluth, Minnesota, you would have dressed differently this morning. But you're not. You're in Oceanside. And you do well to live according to the truth of where you are. And it turns out that we have truth available to us, and we don't have to wonder if we're flying right side up or upside down. In fact, I just gave you some truth. I told you that we are in a spiritual battle. It's so much better and effective if I am in a relational conflict that's very confusing, where I said something to you, and you got mad at me, and I didn't say anything that should have made you mad, so now I'm confused, and because you got mad at me, I got mad back at you and said something to you, 
And then we stopped talking to each other. And I thought that's all there was. But then if I found out, oh, I, I read the truth, that there's more going on than just relational difficulty, there's the devil's schemes. And there's a kingdom of God. And I could say, Lord, let your spirit come right now and stop the confusion that the devil just brought and clarify the situation and watch relationship be restored. Way better than just getting mad at you. That's a simple application of how this works. You with me? So, the only being, there's only one being in all of existence who really sees things as they really are is the one who is above and beyond and outside and before our experience and our reality. The one who can really do reconnaissance on our life. Eye in the sky, you know? The one who knows the beginning from the end, who knows every piece, who knows how it all works, who created it all, who created it all for good and knows that when we do certain things that are bad for us, he calls those wrong. And when we do other things that are good for us, he calls those good, teaches us that we ought to do not the wrong and do the good and it will bless us. He defines reality. If I define my reality by what I think and feel and I and I use phrases like it's popular right now. Well, this is just my truth. What on earth does that mean? If I told you, well, my truth is I'm in Duluth. You'd go, your truth is you're insane. <laughs> you might want to take some lithium. <laughs> or whatever the issue is, you have mental illness. You just would say something's wrong, brother, because that's actually not truth. Right? So in our whole life, we have truth available to us. We do well to know truth, and it will protect us from the evil one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is in three persons. That's truth. We'll do well to know him. We'll do well to know what he has said and written down. We'll do well to know what he's saying presently by the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So Jesus said this. Now we'll read some, some words that will be helpful. Jesus told Philip in answer to a question, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father, God, and we have the Trinity already going here, except through me. That tells me if you don't know Jesus, you don't know truth, and you're going to be at a severe disadvantage for life. If this, is, if this is true, and you don't know Jesus, you are going to be severely disadvantaged in life. Have any of you met Jesus and discovered that where you were previously disadvantaged, you now do a lot better? Is that any of your story? Mine too. In fact, the more I know him, the better I do. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Super simple. If you want to live well, you want to live well? You want to live the good life? We have a world system that will tell us what the good life is. The good life for some, you know, a generation ago was 
sex, drugs, and rock and roll was the promise of a good life. And they discovered that maybe that wasn't true and they were flying upside down. And when they hit the accelerator into sex, drugs, and rock and roll, they, they flew into the ground. Did that happen to some of us in this room? Probably, right? Well, it was not reality. It sounded good. Didn't it sound good when you heard that? You can do whatever you want with whoever you want, whenever you want, however you want, and you'll be just living life. You said, I'll take some of that. And then you crashed. You crashed, didn't you, Michael? Big time, right? Ouch. And then you met Jesus and started flying right side up. And it's really helped. It'll restore your life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I won't read that whole passage that's in your notes. It's a, it's a great passage. It basically, Jesus says, Philip, if you know me, you actually know the Father as well. You, you've grasped a hold of truth already just by knowing me. Uh, another thing Jesus said as he was praying for you and me, and I put the whole passage so you'd see that part where he says this, was, this prayer was for people in the future who would know Jesus. My prayer God the Father, Jesus, it's crazy, huh? Jesus, who is God, is also the Son who's praying to the Father. That's hard to understand, but it's true. He's praying fully human, fully God. Jesus is on the earth praying. He says, Lord, I, I'm, I'm praying for these friends here, not that you'll take them out of this world, but that you'll protect them from the evil one. See the connection with what we're talking about, the evil one, the devil's schemes. Protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world anymore, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them, set them apart, make them holy. Bless them mightily by your truth. And then he says, your word is truth. And Jesus and all the people that write, we read their, their sayings and their writings, when they say your word is truth, they're talking primarily about the things that God has seen to it that would be breathed by him through human people, are there any other kinds of people around <laughs> through humans, <laughs> written down and maintained by God, preserved by God for the reading and understanding of all peoples of the world till Jesus returns. We call it the Bible. Your word is truth. As you've sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. I sanctify, uh, for them I sanctify myself that they may be truly sanctified. This part I wanted you to hear. My prayer, Father, Jesus speaking, is not for these alone, these disciples in front of me, I pray also for those in Oceanside and Duluth who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. Well, then Jesus goes on to say to the disciples, I have so much more to say to you, I don't have time. It's, and you couldn't handle it anyway. But when the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes, he'll guide you into all truth. The Spirit of truth. So there's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. This belt of truth has this all in, packed into it. That there is an armor for us to protect us from the devil's schemes. Um, Paul's going to liken it to a belt that a Roman soldier would wear. By the way, the belt wasn't just to hold the Roman soldier's pants up. The belt had a scabbard for a sword. It had other tools, rope hanging off of it, food rations hanging off of it, more armament tied to it protecting the lower parts of the body. So this image is, this truth is very essential for you. And Paul says this truth is going to protect you. Your word is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. 
And then Jesus says also one more place, John 8. If you hold in my teaching, you are really my disciples. That, that part's really important for the next sentence that you've heard. You've heard this as part of our Western culture. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You've heard that, right? But did you know, Jesus, it's, it's the second part of a thought. If you are truly my disciples, you will be holding to, you'll be hanging on to, you'll be living your life according to the things I've said to you. And then you can know truth and it will set you free. So the belt of truth incorporates into it being a follower and a disciple of Jesus. You want to fly upside right up, right? Upside right? <laughs> Not upside down, but right side up. Not crash into the ground. Folks, you got to be a disciple of Jesus. There's, there's something on you. And guess what? You can choose not to. God has made this world in his sovereignty in such a way that he's made you and me with the ability, if we want to, to try to hide from him. We won't succeed, but we can kind of try to hide. Because if we don't want him in our life, and he's everywhere present, it's like you're in the bright sunlight. And if you don't like the sun, you're going to be, you know, if you're a vampire, you don't want to be in the bright sunlight. And he'll let you hide for a bit. You can, you can deny Jesus, but you won't be living in truth. And you won't be enjoying life to the fullest. If you'd like to have the good life, you've got to know Jesus. If you'd like to have the good life, you've got to be in his kingdom. That's where the good life is. It's, it's all spelled out here. We have available to us what it's like to live in absolute joy, regardless of circumstances, absolute peace, regardless of circumstances, absolute confidence that God's going to make everything all right, regardless of circumstances. And I'm telling you, that's the only way to fly. It's really a good way to live. Do I have another thought under that? Nah. Let's see. You want to go a little more? Just you and me, Mark, and, and you, Kathy. Anyone else? Back there. Okay. Yeah. Truth. So another aspect of truth that we touched on briefly last time is the absolute protection of um, personal integrity. Facts are your friends. Living in truth is your friend. Personal honesty is the first line of defense against the devil's schemes. See, that's so hard to believe because when you and I want to protect ourselves, or we want to attack other people. We've got this great tool called lying. Do you know how well you can attack someone with lying? You know, it just feels like such good protection. I mean, aren't there times when just a lie is so helpful? Don't you think that? Man, you know, wouldn't it be great to keep some more money and lie to the IRS about how much money you made? You could work under the table, not report it, and you'd have more money. Is this like a good plan? No. We are trying to take control of people and manipulate them and our own protection when we lie. And it turns out 
it doesn't work out well. Psalm 25, 21, may integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope is in you. May integrity, living in the light, living according to truth, being honest with myself and with you about things that I wish you didn't know, will protect me. Because my, because my hope isn't in me or my reputation or my ability to protect myself from you or my ability to attack you or my ability to sell you something that you don't really want. Huh? You know, come to my seminar for 90 minutes and we'll give you a reward and try to get you to buy our timeshare that you'll be stuck in for the rest of life. <laughs> That's dishonesty, right? to manipulate you to get your money out of your pocket into my pocket. Personal integrity. So Gary Kinneman, who is my cousin actually, second cousin, wrote a book called How to Overcome the Darkness. And in that, talking about spiritual warfare that we're talking about, says denial is false armor. See, the belt of truth is true armor. Self-honesty is risky. But self-honesty actually brings God into your life. And you cannot ask, for better protection than that. So Jesus says in John 8, the devil was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. Well, from the beginning he was a murderer, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. <laughs> That's almost funny. Jesus, you know, eternally existent, was there when the devil began lying. Jesus created him. And gave him the ability to turn his back on God. But in the end, Jesus is going to make all things right. So the end of the story is always good. For he's a liar and the father of lies. And then another warning um, in the, the letter to the Thessalonian church, speaking of one that's often called the Antichrist in the end times. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan or the devil, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles and signs and wonders and every sort of evil that deceives those we're perishing, deceives, lies. They perish because they refuse to believe and love the truth. And so be saved. That's the state of humankind. We're told the truth. We're told that in some simple terms, we all have a problem with sin. We've separated ourselves from God by our sin. God loves us and came with a plan to remove our sin from us and it involved becoming man and dying on a cross executed by Romans and then rising from the dead. And if we would trust in that, that would deal with our separation from God and we could be close with him and enter into a new life with him. And many of us, probably in this room, all of us have just heard it now. But if we refuse to believe that truth and love it, then we confine ourselves to living in darkness. And in the end, there will be antichrists, those against Messiah, those against Jesus, who will come with power and signs and miracles. That's what we just read, right? Lots of evil. I don't know, there might be a foretaste of that when you call the psychic hotline. Maybe there's a little bit of that and you see some stuff that's miraculous but it didn't come from God but it helps you stay away from the truth because you don't want to love the truth because you don't like that truth that you have sin and it needs to be dealt with. 
You'd rather, you'd rather hear someone say, I'm okay, you're okay, everyone's okay, isn't it great? Uh, there's no problems, you're all good. Everyone's good. Everyone good? Or actually everyone's not good. And God would like to make you good. And if you live according to that truth, you'll have life. So God, wow, can you believe this? They refuse to love the truth and be saved, so God sends them a powerful delusion. That's kind of a scary truth. But this is how it works. Eventually, if I reject God over and over and I say, I don't want you in my life, I don't want you to be my God, I don't want to follow you, I want to be my own God, I want to do my own thing, my own way, eventually God will say, okay, the thing that you've asked for, I will give you. I'll give it to you strongly. I'll even send a strong delusion so you can go fully into it. Not my will, but your will be done, God will say to us. Isn't that a scary thought? But that's truth, if the Bible's true. And that's where we'll be if we say, I reject you, I want my way, and he'll say, okay, go ahead. And I've, you know, I often will say, in the end, that's a place called hell where we don't have to have any of God in our life at all. And the very thing we want He'll give to us eternal separation that he doesn't want us to have. But he'll give it to us if you really want it. And I say that with a smile, but maybe I should say that with a tear. Yeah, he's that good, isn't he, Jamie? He'll give us what we ask for. It's really crazy. What kind of love is that? He doesn't control us that way. He just is so good. He's, it turns out God is not codependent. And he is very secure in himself. He is so secure in himself, and he's not codependent. He'll let us go away. But he would love for us to come to him and enter into life. And um, there's more to say about that. Yeah, I'll give you another two minutes. Um, when the day comes that you fall, I, bad news, it, there's a good chance, as you and I are progressing in our walks with Jesus, that we'll trip every once in a while. And maybe even do things that just aren't even what we wanted to do. Anyone ever do something that you said, I will never do that, and you did it? Uh, here's the common one. I will never be like my parents. <laughs> to the T, huh? You know... How common it is, if your parent was an alcoholic and you say, well, that's a messed up life, I'll never do that, and then you find yourself being an alcoholic. That happens all the time, people. It just does. Anyway, if you come to a place where you fall, the best way to be restored is through truth and personal integrity. Jesus said, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever gets over that fear and lives by the truth will come into the light because only in the light will the darkness flee and healing come. So when the day comes when you do the thing that you thought you would never do and you did it anyway, um, denial is not your friend at that point. It really isn't. It's not my friend to live in denial. It's my friend to say, I discovered that I was not able to do the thing that I wanted, and I needed a power greater than myself to help me. So I had to come to that truth. I had to look to a God to come and help, because I was messed up. And, you know, the people in um, recovery programs know that really well. 
because they have a whole bunch of steps that say that, right out of the Bible, in fact. The greatest example is David, the king, who did the thing he thought he would never do, and he saw a really good-looking woman and said, I want her. And they said, well, she's married. And he said, that's okay, bring her. And he was a king, and he, and he slept with her. And he got her pregnant. And they said, she's pregnant. And he went, oh, no, now what am I going to do? Well, I'll cover it up, and I'll bring her husband here and get him drunk and try to get him to go sleep with her. Then they'll think he's the dad. So he did that. He brought the guy home and got him drunk, and the guy had integrity. He said, I, I couldn't sleep with my wife while my fellow soldiers are out in the battlefield, so I didn't go home. And David said, oh, let's get him more drunk. And it never worked. And he said, well, I guess I'll have to kill him. And he did the thing that he thought he would never do. He committed adultery, and he committed lying, and he committed murder. And the prophet of God came to him and exposed him. And David didn't say, no, it wasn't me. It must be a mistake. And he said, you're right. I'm guilty. God, forgive me. And what did God do? forgave him. David said when I, he wrote it, he, he's so transparent in the light that he wrote songs about it so everyone would sing and know what David did and not do it. And he said, when I was silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And David was fully restored to life because he confessed, and the merciful God that we all served loved him and said, yes, I forgive you. Your sins are forgiven. Amazing. Personal integrity is a great armor personal protection against the devil's schemes. Let's say amen. Why don't we stand up? Feels like the day's just getting going because the clock's wrong, right? <laughs> it says it's 11, but it only feels like 10. <laughs> so that whole section you remember said, Put on this armor of God and pray in the Spirit. Armed like this, then we pray. And Shannon, thank you for that word, wherever she went, that word of encouragement. There you are. To pray right now. So in your lives, you might be today in the midst of a struggle. Is anyone in the midst of a struggle? Okay, there's power in praying for each other. And we'd like to pray for each other. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.